Hello and welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your home on the Culture Slate Network for the in-depth commentary on lore, the High Republic, and the whole canon of the galaxy far, far away. I'm Matthew Neugebauer and I am joined across the continent by your friend and mine, Mr. Joel Davis. Joel, how are you doing this week? I'm hyped, I'm excited, and I always love that intro music. It's always so epic. Right on, right on. Yeah, thanks. Thanks to Jeff for throwing that up. Uh, looking forward to our show today. This week we're doing a deep dive into that most terrifying event in the galaxy far, far away, the Clone Wars. We talk about its out-of-universe origin and its in-universe significance and discuss the impact of the Clone Wars on the galaxy, the Republic, the Empire, and the Skywalker family itself. But first I'll get a few plugs first off the bat. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at IonCannonPod, of course also at Culture Slate. And to note that the tractor beam, there wasn't any tractor beam this week because there wasn't any new comics. This, there weren't any new comics this week. But, but next week is we get to see some fun Crimson Rain. Next week, yeah, Crimson coming up this this week. Crimson yeah. Rain number four is coming up, so we'll definitely be talking about that a little bit in this show and in more in depth in uh in, in on the tractor beam on the Spotify feed this coming Thursday. If you just a note about Spotify, uh, you know, if you're driving, if you're you know, walking. If you just prefer to listen in an audio format, uh, we we definitely just give us a search on Spotify at or just the Ion at Ion Cannon or Ion Cannon. Same logo, same everything. It's a lot of blue logo, and yeah, you get all our episodes right there, including Tractor Beam, the special. Usually, usually goes around five to six, seven minutes. Nothing, nothing too intense. I don't actually recap the the story, the plot of the comic. I. I Hope you can go out and I encourage you to go out and get it and read it somehow. But yeah, uh, if you're interested in that, give the tractor beam a look. Definitely having lots of comics coming up. But for now, let's dive into our eyes on screen in between this week and Star Wars. Speaking of content and things we are reviewing and looking at, uh, I finally was able to start Queen's Hope by Southwestern Ontario's E.K. Johnston, um, the the third her third Padme novel. Uh, looking at it's set at least partly just before the wedding that day before the wedding i've gotten to the wedding and then there's a few more things after that i'm already noticing a few real world references and some other fodder for commentary uh so check out our oh, speaking of our, our twitter twitter feed twitter page i'm uh doing a little thread of just I, I saw that something. thread and I was like almost worried that you were going to do like a page by page analysis. It's almost it's like it's like page page 20 something page 46 page whatever. <laughs> um, so just some examples to what your appetite there. Page two. I've got uh, a good theology time on, uh, you know, the so the enunciation. So Shmi opening herself up to the force to give birth to Anakin. Uh, very much a, a callback in my mind to uh you know, Mary opening herself up to God to give birth to Jesus. And uh, a note it's on good government, the good Canadian politics, Canadian constitutional reference there. Of course, A.K. Johnston being from southern southwestern Ontario, very much uh, understanding Canadian government, Canadian politics. Um, the things that, I, you know, that I notice that other people might not. <laughs> and so right. I figure why not share it and let, let you guys get, get some more insight on the real world and other, other things that go on. Maybe maybe my guesses, my inferences of what uh, is behind the scenes in that novel. I'm enjoying it so far. Uh, Joel, I'll throw it to you. What are your what are your non spoilery thoughts? You finished the audiobook. 
I really liked it. I thought it was a really good look into Padme and her mindset, especially in this time period. Um, you know, water too. Especially as someone who has um, critiqued a little bit in the movies, not quite understanding her and Anakin's chemistry and mm-hmm. feeling a little bit, some of that just a little forced in some areas, a little bit more plot-driven and character-focused. Um, it was good to kind of get into that. And I'll say... The biggest thing is it made me look at Luke Skywalker in a whole different way okay. that um I never thought of before. And it has and it's it's really weird. Like it's a blink and you miss it, but mm-hmm. if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. And I can't wait to go into that if I hopefully remember what I was yeah. talking about. Um, uh, I'll, I'll I'll remind you to make a note because <laughs> that's intriguing. That is intriguing. I mean, yes. I'm already thinking about three PO and uh, his role in all three trilogies mm-hmm. and how uh, that might link in so and i'll just say this and this is i don't think this is a spoilery but um Mm -hmm. if you're reading the darth vader greg pack comics yes um this is a really good companion piece Mm -hmm. with that book i won't say why um but a friend of mine brought this up and hopefully Mm -hmm. i'll remember it again when we talk about it because if this is a good this trilogy and especially this book in particular is a really good Mm -hmm. companion piece with that most that comic series so recommend it very good I, I guarantee you, I know, I, I well, I, I have very good guesses what you're talking about. I, I will remember that, and I will also have things to say about that. It's it's amazing the way the two of them uh, have coordinated, E.K. Johnson and Greg Pak have coordinated over a certain character, um, mm-hmm. who has also shown up in, I believe, in Charles Soule, uh, some of his <laughs> stuff. Um, uh, I, I won't, again, I won't go into that, but uh, yeah, and then, of course, uh, we'll get to this in a, in a little bit, but um, E.K. Johnson and Mike Chen, I, I mentioned this maybe a few months ago uh, here on Ion Cannon, that they coordinated because the timelines there line up fairly closely. So, um, yeah, it's a, it got a good, good synergy, good, good paper cannon, not just discipline of continuity, but harmony and continuity and uh, enjoying that. All right. Um, Joel, you, you have some, some, also some thoughts musings on on star wars this week go for it yeah you know me i love doing my deep thinking on star wars and also just life in general and other fiction as it kind of all comes together Mm -hmm. i've been thinking a lot recently about star wars and what it sometimes has to say about systems Mm -hmm. and evil systems and evil individuals and kind of the nature between the two the nuances the ins and outs like you know Anakin Skywalker was a good person, you know. That's why George showed us at eleven mm-hmm. years old. He's a good, he's a good boy, good yeah. boy, um, good person. <laughs> but he got corrupted by the Emperor, and then was made to serve an evil system. Thus, he did evil things. Um, but you know, he was once a good man, and now you know, it's what we want to your father, a good man, yeah. uh, but a good friend. So, you know, it's he's a victim of the system, even though, you know, I, I'm not saying, you know, everyone, everyone should be like, oh, forgive Vader for slaughtering <laughs> my family. You know, if you don't want to forgive Vader, that's your, that's your decision. Right. Um, but that's the whole discussion on redemption we can talk about another day. Um, Great topic. But, we, were right? de- we were definitely going into that oh, sometime. Yeah. We, we're we definitely should. going that sometime. Oh, yeah, yeah totally. We, we really should. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you got the emperor himself. And sure. I don't see the emperor as a victim of a system. He is evil individual mm-hmm. i think you know especially if you read the plagueis novel he's essentially kind of just an evil kid from the get-go he's sort of like got the omen antichrist thing going on um mm-hmm. and kind of the interesting thing about the empire and sort of the various ways it's portrayed with characters like 
there are evil individuals working for an evil system, and then you have good good people. And I use that term kind of mm-hmm. loosely in the kind of unnuanced way. I'm sure people have lots of discussions on that. Who yeah. work for the evil system? You know, like you are and from the Clone Wars. You know, he was a good guy. He was one of the heroes. Um, mm-hmm. And that's really interesting about the Clone Wars and what we'll get into. It's like all these, all these, a lot of these heroes, basically, you watch the series or you read the old comics, they're all, going, a lot of them are going to become the villain eventually. Yularen, mm-hmm. he was a hero, but then now he's deputy to the Imperial Secret Police. Um, he's got he's got a seat on the Death Star, right? Yeah, he got the, the seat <laughs> on the Death Star Council. But then you yeah. got other characters like Krennic, who are kind of always kind of evil jerks, mm-hmm. who are kind of just like yeah. the Empire just kind of fits with them. And then I think of a character like Thrawn, mm-hmm. and I always feel like maybe this is kind of the divide between how Filoni and Thrawn right. are writing him at the moment, and maybe this is just my kind of view of the situation. I think Filoni sees Thrawn as an evil person who works for an evil system, and if you mm-hmm. take him out of that system, he's still kind of bad. Right. Um, obviously, in, you know, in the Mandoverse, so Thrawn, the Empire's gone, but Thrawn's still enslaving people on that planet with those ships. Well, I think Zahn sees Thrawn as a good person being corrupted by the evil system that mm-hmm. is the Empire. Because the Empire, like, there is no version of the Empire that's good. Like, um, you know, I don't want to get too far into this, but um, in the legacy comics from Legends, the idea with those was, like, I think that, like, not, like, generally authoritarian, but more honorable people were put mm-hmm. in charge of the Empire, like Talion. Like uh, Ronan fell, I think that was kind of like yeah, like he's he's not the emperor, mm-hmm. he's not a psychopath, he's generally a good person or an aunt, like I guess good person who who happens to be in charge of the territorial right. empire, um, but then get corrupted by the evil system. So like he's still perpetuating the system, and I don't think there's such a thing as a good empire. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had lots of debates over this, and I can't do this yeah. in like twenty minutes. But it's sort of like. Yeah. And I just think Star Wars, it's interesting seeing Star Wars talk about these systems, especially since we're talking about the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. And then I'll guess I'll leave it, uh, this kind of rambling with this question and maybe something to think about. Mm-hmm. Are the Separatists a right. good system led by bad people? Because <laughs> if you think about it, the Rebellion, they are the Rebellion of the time. They are mm-hmm. what the Rebellion would become. Cassian Andor, when he says, I've been in this fight since I was six years old, right. he's not talking about the Empire. His parents were pro-separatist. He was mm-hmm. part of like a separatist group against the Republic, at least if you read the visual dictionary. And mm-hmm. I hope that's something that the Andor series actually expands upon, because that's actually something really cool. It's like, yeah. here's Andor. He's helping Mon Mothma, Bail Organa. We know these are the good guys, but he was fighting the Republic. And, you know, the, the, the <laughs> separatists did leave because they did have genuine concerns with the mm-hmm. Republic and the whole core versus out of rim debates and the kind of humocentrism versus alien representation, but obviously right. they're being led by Count Dooku and General Grievous. So Darth uh, <laughs> it's right. yeah. So it's sort of like you know, yeah. good intent but bad people uh, mm-hmm. in, on the top, and obviously that's manipulated by cities and all that. But it's an interesting, it's an interesting look, and I just think you know, it's kind of, it just I always find interesting something that always when it gets into kind of systems versus individuals. Mm-hmm. Who are individually evil people, regardless of the system they're a part of, and then who are good people in the bad system? You know, I, it's it. You know, gotta be careful here because, like, you know, saying yeah. like good people in no no Germany. Um, <laughs> you know, right? You no, know, they're not actively res- resisting said system. Um, 
I mean, I guess, you know, it's like not everyone's a psychopath going, Mwah. well, that, that's part of it too, right? <laughs> I mean, you have Sidious and just, you know, real villains, irredeemable <laughs> villains who is just the way their brains work. Right. They're just not actually capable of, of constructive Remorse. behavior. Uh, but everyone, I mean, generally speaking, people in the real world, for by and large, I mean, your, your struggle with calling people good, uh, it brings me back to what we were talking about with, with the archivist, with uh, Sava, Madeline, Son, you know, saying, uh, here are our ideals. Everyone is, is being realistic. Everyone is both and is complicated. And that's especially true when it comes to large scale political systems. Uh, for the most part, I mean, especially when you're talking about liberal democracy, for example, uh, very complicated. Uh, you talk about a good empire, I mean, that's tricky. You can't really say this. I can't, right. you know, as a Canadian, I can't say that the British Empire was good because, you know, ask every any Indigenous person what they think of the British Empire. Yeah. But uh, they're also responsible for the large scale growth of democracy and literacy and uh, the rise of the middle class. So maybe it's a better way of saying, you know, empires can have good effects, even if they're being very self-interested and uh, consolidating power. It lots of really great question um, to bring up again. I, I do hope Cassian Andor goes into this. I mean, Cassian's a, a violent dude, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and, and General Draven's a violent dude, but are they, you know, it's, it's, it's it can't mean what we were talking about with Thrawn maybe a few months ago, mm -hmm. you know, uh, motivations and intentions and whatnot. So, lots of lots of things. Great, great thoughts to bring up there. Uh, I'm gonna move on to our our news items segment. We're gonna catch up on a bunch of news here. Um, you know, we we had a great time chatting with with Figure and Dan Johnson last week. So, some things that did come up that we just couldn't get to, or some things that came up this week. The first is uh, High Republic Phase Two reveals. Um, first of all, we have. I'll, I'll, I'll do the awkward thing where I'm going to show an image here. This Path of Deceit cover. I got to hold on. Sorry, guys. There we go. There we go. Path of Deceit by Tessa Grattan and Justina Ireland. Uh, it's gorgeous. It, you know, the, yeah, it's beautiful. I believe this comes out in uh, October, I want to say. Something in there. Um, yeah, and, and you can see up close, you know, just I mean, the blue color, uh, just very, very warm, warm and inviting and calming. Um, even more elegant, even more civilized of an age. Uh, still considered the High Republic, but the early High Republic. Uh, we got a Pantoran Padawan. Say that three times fast. Uh, we got the OG Jedi logo, which we haven't seen much. We're usually in High Republic, we get the logo that you see in the actual High Republic logo there. Um, but yeah, we you see in, in the background there that, that Jedi logo, and I wonder if it suggests the the late high republic the whatever phase one um there is a bit of a corruption there in that they get away from the roots and so there's a sense here that they're already closer to their roots of who the jedi are now apparently uh, one of the characters is called the mother yeah so i'll get to that in a second <laughs> yeah yeah i'll get to that in a second um uh so you got the only well actually no that is a good good segue there's a lady with flowers in there and uh yeah the mother I'll show you who I think. Abeloth. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, Abeloth. Yeah, well, I mean, that was on Star Wars Underworld. I tuned tune into that. Here is uh, a lady with flowers named Marta Rowe. Now, um, you know, so th this Marta Rowe, we know she's 
Mark Yunro's ancestor, possibly grandmother, um, someone, you know, in, in the in the background uh, of Markian's story. We we have gotten a glimpse of Markian's story and the Niles backstory in Charles Soul's Eye of the Storm comic, uh, a little bit in um, uh, Kevin Scott's audio play, uh, Free at the Tempest Runner, uh, focusing on Lorna D. But there's a bit of uh, a bit of that. But here we get uh, Marta Rowe, who possibly might be the mother. I don't know if this is the person who's connected with that, but uh, she looks a lot more benign and a lot more uh, calming and and gentle and with the flowers again and um yeah it, it's amazing that we're, we're tracking this and maybe even seeing why the nihil came to be how they came to be even more in depth again charles soul does a large scale writ large version of it uh this might be a more personal human story so yeah it's, it's cool. so what so i mean just I'll, I'll turn to you what do you think of of both the uh, the cover and uh, Marta Rowe and oh, the mother, <laughs> I think it's beautiful. I, lost, uh, I just like like every time I'm like the yeah. mother, it's like oh, last time I heard that that didn't go so well. Right. Um, but uh, I doubt that. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I, I think it's a lo- beautiful cover. I love the stars in the sky mm-hmm. and like the yeah. grassy plains that um, uh, you know uh, Mrs. Rowe here. I, I like got this like elf blue elf kind of thing going on yeah that's true but then again marcion rose kind of got this elf like thing going on mm-hmm. like, oh, like a very high fantasy like i love it that's yeah that's true yeah. i'll show you that again yeah that's true that's a great point that um flowers in the rose. like this is this is like an elf this is like yeah. a blue elf now are, are they good elves getting back to our question before are they good elves or are they not so good elves who knows elves yes um but yeah it's yeah it's it's great Raises more questions, but gives us the feels, is what I, what I can see there. Fair enough. Okay. Um, moving on a little bit more. Speaking of, of Mr. Soul and his comics, um, as you mentioned before, the Knights, they are a running. Uh, they're, they're, the running. they're a running. <laughs> the long-awaited Crimson Rain, number four, by Charles Soul, with art by Stephen Cummings, comes up this Wednesday, just two days from now. And uh, I definitely recommend you go to your local comic book shop or grab this on Amazon Comixology, Kindle, whatever uh, it's called this week. Um, check this out. We, we know that the Knights of Ren have been part of Kira's Crimson uh, Crimson Dawn group. That's not a spoiler, but uh, this is the earliest right now we'll see the Knights of Ren uh, actually doing something. Right again, they stood they're around not, as part of Kira. They're not standing anymore. They're moving. <laughs> they're moving. They're doing something. Uh, so they've been part of Kira's gang, as I mentioned. Um, that, that big reveal at the end of Crimson Rain number one. Uh, so that was the earliest canon in the canon chronology we saw any of them. Uh, but now they're going to go and they're going to Vader's castle. And the preview blurb on StarWars.com. So this is a preview from StarWars.com. Uh, talks about this. Uh, just gives us a little more details we, we knew this part was coming but gives us some more details about how they're going to vader's castle um highlights the knight's daring or foolish depending on who you ask mission to retrieve a sith artifact for cura and so they have they, maybe the, it's a wayfinder maybe it's wayfinder you know you never know uh let me let me just do this here so there we have um moment yeah so yeah, yeah. Uh, get, get to him in a second. So first of all, but yeah, we have um, this this art again from by Stephen Cummings. Fantastic, the the laser fire. You even feel it and you feel the movement, and that's something I've 
noticed in comics a lot lately with Star Wars. They talk about Tractor Beam feeling the movement in the scene. Uh, we do see some familiar settings in this uh, in this page that they gave us uh, from Charles Soule's Vader comic, from the Halloween special, uh, that Lego Halloween special, and even from Rogue One. There's the a later page they show of the that I guess that hangar or whatever that uh, uh, Krennic and Vader confront each other in they, when two, Krennic chokes on his aspirations. But two two moments stood out to yeah. me. Uh, mm-hmm. The first moment when they're trying to open the door and they're like, the like, get angry, come on, boys, get angry, yep. get tap in that dark side. Mm-hmm. And the other moment is when they're in a room full of Bacta. And I don't know why, but I saw the Book of Boba Fett all of a sudden. It's like, oh, so much Bacta in the Book of Boba Fett. So it's like, <laughs> a, yeah. yeah, there's more Bacta, all the Bacta. That's a great thought. Um, here, the thing that two things that jumped out to me, you see at the bottom there, that I believe is the room where in Charles Soule's 2017 comic, Vader bled his lightsaber. Uh, and yes. had this vision of Obi-Wan forgiving him and he becoming Anakin again, and he has to reject that. It's a really fantastic scene. Um, and so partly another reason why Vader ends up building the castle on top of this ancient Sith site. Uh, second thing, Joel, you mentioned before, we it's in this shot, it's in this page. Uh, you can't see us. You don't need to see us right now. That is, of course, the Mask of Darth Roman. Um from the final arc of Charles Soule's comic. One of my favorite Sith Lords in canon, by the way. He, he's fantastic. He's just, I, I want to see more of this guy. I don't know if we will. I don't think we will actually see more of Darth Moment in this issue. It looks, seems to me like they just bypass him. I think they um, destroy his helmet. Like. Or maybe they destroy his helmet. Yeah, let's see if they can show it there. I think they are. They just, you know, I don't know. Whatever they end up doing. Um, it is odd, though, that uh, it's just left around. Right, like here's the kind of the the essence of this ancient Sith Lord, Sith Dark Side artist thing guy who who is I think responsible. I know it's complicated, uh, overlapping stories, but responsible for why Mustafar looks the way it is. Um, no, it, you're, you're, yeah, yeah, there, yeah. I think there there are competing accounts of what happened there, but um, yeah, it, I'm just you know, I mean, part of it is here's Charles Soul doing you know i mean that's another thing you can talk about with the discipline of continuity is an artist i mean ek johnson's doing this right is bringing things from other novels other stories that they've written and saying here i'm gonna put this in i mean moman's mask showed originally showed up in the lando comic and here then it was in played a pretty major role in in uh that vader comic and now probably not too big probably just a bit of an easter egg but um, you know, do you have any final thoughts on the no, the moment mask, etc.? I hope we see it in one of Charles Soule's High Republic books. Like moments, like one of clearly one of Charles Soule's characters yeah. that he likes to bring back and play around with. And uh, yeah. certain authors will always have kind of their favorites. So, um, yeah. you know, I, I hope we see it in High Republic, kind of in its earliest stages. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think I mean clearly, like moment is at a time when the Sith are. are visible and, and exposed in public and, and doing their thing but the mask itself could show up maybe that's part of the clue yeah. just spitballing here part of the clue that or the thing that lets us see the sith even right. if no one else does unless it's in say the bogan vault or something uh there's gotta be a reason how sidious gets his hands on it um you know i think it's part of like the Jedi temple and just was in there yeah that could be that could be um so yeah i gotta mention this again uh grab this on wednesday uh it's gonna be 
you know, especially if you're you know, a fan of uh, of the sequel trilogy, or even if you're not. Here's the thing. I mean, we talk about this all the time on this podcast. This is yet another example of uh, of paper canon fleshing out things in the sequel trilogy that some of us maybe think didn't make sense or didn't get enough time with or whatnot, but really interesting ideas that they can play with and work on. And again, I got to, got to plug myself here. Uh, check out the tractor beam. I will absolutely be talking about this. Um, I do. I think this may be the only book coming out this Wednesday in star Wars. I could be wrong about that, but um, even if it is, if it isn't, I'll, I'll, I'll spend some time on it uh, or on Spotify. Give that a listen. All right. One last element here. We got our favorite best list back. I mean, that's that's the the thing. I, mean, I I know he's in Queen's Hope. I haven't quite gotten there yet, but uh, you know, I mean, you can't have a a good Obi Wan Kenobi story set just after Attack of the Clones, and you know, not include Dexter Jetster. So what what's going on? Of course, this is the brother latest Brotherhood excerpt uh, on Gizmodo. Not on StarWars.com or, or uh, Del Rey, their website. But on Gizmodo, um, amidst all the buzz about that Kenobi toy shelf and the series coming out, we still got a, a novel coming out May 10th. And in it is conversation with, with Dexter and Obi-Wan, at probably presumably at the uh, the restaurant, at the, the diner on Coruscant. And Dexter is convincing Obi-Wan uh, of a way possibly to even avert the war even in its infancy uh, by trying to convince uh, the official trade federation leadership to distance themselves from new gun Ray and side with the Republic, this whole question about neutrality, right. Um, even related to what we were getting at before, you know, appealing to for the trade federation, appealing to their potentially well, their self-interest, but um, saying, siding with the separatists, painting them as a more evil organization and, under Newt Gunray's thumb and Newt Gunray's an extremist. You don't want to go there. You don't want to be playing both sides. You want to actually side with the Republic. And that's going to be Obi-Wan's tactic attempt. Uh, in this novel, we know he does end up going, investigating a bombing. Uh, that's the, the cover story of why he's going. Um, he encounters Ventress. This was a previous, uh, previous excerpt. We know how this turns out, of course. Uh, and why, I mean, of course, again, Darth Sidious, is manipulating everything and is playing both sides. But, you know, we're going to see this attempt to uh, avert the war before, basically before it gets going, or just as it gets going. Um, this comes out to on May 10th again, and I finally got around to pre-ordering the my hard copy. Uh, Joel, what did you think of the excerpt? What do you think of what we've seen with Brotherhood so far? It's exciting. I'm interested, you know. The corporations are honestly one thing I'm always confused about their status in the Clone Wars. But I forget we um get into this when we talk about Legends because um the way Legends depicted things, uh, it felt like the movies also as well were very different yeah. in the series. Now he's going more by the series, so I'm a little, it's a bit different. I'm still not entirely sure like what's the status here. Mm -hmm. But I'm you know curious to see and always cool to see Dexter in those games. There you go, old diner. And I mean, this is also got to remember um, Padawan. Is it the Padawan? Is, it, is that the what's the name of the other novel that's coming out about Obi Wan and Qui Gon even I earlier? Think it's Padawan. I don't yeah. remember. Yeah, we forget what it's called. Apprentice, something like that. Um, that hasn't gotten much publicity at all. 
but that's because I think it comes out a lot, a, a lot later. Um, but yeah, I mean, credit to, you know, give a shout out to, to James Dillon over on Twitter writes for 1138 and, and his love for, uh, for Dexter. Uh, yeah. I mean, everyone really enjoys, enjoys our, our favorite basilisk and is we're excited to see what he gets up to and how he helps Obi-Wan through, uh, the beginnings of this crisis that ends up engulfing the galaxy. Yeah. All right. Speaking of a crisis that engulfs the galaxy <laughs> of this crisis, we're going to do this comical switcheroo here Ooh, and hand it off yeah. to Joel. Take it away. Talk I about, know. let's talk about the Clone Wars. I'm then on the and powerful now. side of the screen. Yes, the Clone <laughs> Wars. You, you got to love it, right? You got to love how one line in 1977 blew up to be the most biggest profitable thing Star Wars has ever done. Um, That's true. <laughs> in 1977, Luke Skywalker goes, you fought in the Clone Wars? And now we have a bajillion stories set in that era. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we talk about the actual event, do a little context. As I said, mm-hmm. began in 1977, and Luke Skywalker goes, you fought in the Clone Wars, and that sort of opened up people's imagination. And the Clone Wars in itself was not always the Clone Wars that we know it. To be, I feel like the Clone Wars had evolved mm-hmm. into various phases. Oh, Chris, thought you froze for a second. Man. No, I'm, good. Um, I'm just listening so intently, Joel. Keep going. I know. <laughs> uh, thank you. Um, you know, there George had some probably loose ideas of what the Clone mm-hmm. Wars were. Like Lando was actually supposed to be a clone in an early draft, mm-hmm. but the idea was clones replacing people and kind of, kind of like a invasion of the body snatcher type thing going on here um <laughs> and i sent you a video matthew so you know, if you had time to look at it yep. or, um you know the clone wars evolved a lot in the 90s with the expanded universe even though they didn't weren't allowed to do prequel era stuff in case george wanted to yep. do that but you know they kind of talked about the clone wars as being a war against cloning and against clones mm-hmm. itself and they're like kind of the rise of the Empire and the fall of the Jedi kind of it didn't all happen at once. It kind of like, I feel like the idea was the Clone Wars happened, then the Jedi fell, and then the mm-hmm. Empire rose. Right. It was kind of like a weird, there was like a longer period of time before everything kind of crunched together. Um, yeah, I mean, as, as you take your swig there, just to point out, from the, the theme of that video, at least the part I was able to get to was uh, time is, is stretched out more uh, when it comes to this event called the Clone Wars. Whereas in the prequels, the films we get, um, time is stretched out in terms of the spark of it with the Trade Federation, the, the Naboo, the invasion of Naboo versus the actual event of the war and the uh, the overthrow of the Jedi and the, and the fall of the Republic and the rise of the Empire. Um, and, yeah, and then, you know, uh, also then the gap between uh, what we now know as episode three and episode four, the gap between that event and what we see in uh, A New Hope. And that, of course, has to do in part with uh, the age, Luke's age, and yeah. uh, I mean, Sebastian Shaw's age, probably, and things like oh, that. Yeah. Uh, the age of different characters that I think you'll get into a little bit, but um, like different characters in the X-Wing novels and the, the Thrawn novels. Um, the idea, the overall idea, though, is the same. I think one underlying thing of this is... The previous generation's war this right. is this is my, my this was my daddy's war this was <laughs> my grandfather's war yeah. whereas the rebellion is now my war 
Right. You know, and, you, you almost get yeah. the sense watching A New Hope that Leia lived during the Clone Wars. I mean, I mean, that's kind of the. I mean, you, you don't. It, it can work either way, but so like the way yeah. you said, you said my father during the Clone Wars. I always feel like he saw that. Like you mm -hmm. know, he's like, oh, I was watching you and who would one day guy who one day would be Bail Organa yeah. uh, serve side by side during the Clone Wars. Um, I mean, she so definitely I, has the wisdom. The mm -hmm. the. I mean, she puts on the wisdom and gravitas of that. Yes. So yeah. Um, and then obviously, you know, the prequels happen and we get the Clone Wars we get. And we, I said Clone Wars are portrayed very much in two phases. Um, mm -hmm. The first phase is the 2003-2005 multimedia project, mm -hmm. which had the Tarakovsky 2D Clone Wars, yes. the Dark Horse comics, um, a couple of books like Labyrinth of Evil, which, fun fact, Labyrinth of Evil, yeah. that's the, in Legends, that was the business on Cater Nemordia, and that was <laughs> like a few months before Invented the Sith. Mm -hmm. Um, while it seems like the business on Kater Nemordia was happening way after way after Attack of the Clones, but yeah. a little bit after, not you know, but not before Revenge of the Sith. So that's sure. interesting. Obviously, mm -hmm. no Ahsoka at the time. Yeah. Um, games like Republic Commando, a couple other Clone Wars games came out. Um, mm -hmm. Really interesting stuff. Um, okay. One that has tie-ins to Tales of the Jedi. Um, mm. Guys, thought it's cool. Um, you know, it, it really kind of shows kind of an interesting thing. There's some differences, like the clones don't really have personalities. Mm. They're kind of the clones in the old stuff are essentially stormtroopers, but better shots, as I like to call it. <laughs> right. They're kind of already stormtroopers. In fact, you actually see there's one battle in a comic mm. where you see the Republic has AT-ATs, so you're kind of quickly seeing them become more like the Empire in terms of like their um mm -hmm. you know their kind of technology and what they're using Just more explicitly than what we see in the films yeah in the, in the, the 20, 2008 show okay right grievous is way more kind of deadly and just kind of a full-on just psycho monster right. he kills adi galia mm -hmm. um he got a jag council member out of that um he doesn't have his cough until no. the very end Right, <laughs> which I actually yeah. like. I've always liked the like the idea of Mace Windu with the one giving him his cough. Yeah. That was a cool idea. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you got Dirge. Ventress go gets introduced. Ventress lives in that version. Yes. She's she doesn't die. Uh, that's actually one thing I do like. Uh, okay. I I kind of wish Ventress was still alive. That, and that's I gather in in a in a comic or a novel. Yeah, or? she she at the end she kind of she we don't know whatever happened to her in Legend. She just kind of like okay. I'm done with yeah. this. I'm out of here. I'm done with yeah. Dooku and constantly getting abused by him. So right, which I mean that, that happens in canon too, but then she, yeah, that, yeah like, that's true. Um, I think he was gonna appear in Labyrinth of Evil and die, but they cut yeah. that out. Um, Maul okay. obviously doesn't show up again either. Um, true. you know, books like Shatterpoint, good Mace Windu comic. Mm -hmm. Um, but what was really cool about that is kind of seeing the war progress in real time. So, like, right. if you were following those comics and books, you actually mm. had a really good sense of what was going to happen by Revenge of the Sis. In fact, you know, um, one mm. of the things I always found interesting for me is I saw the 2D Clone Wars Part Season 2, which did the build-up to Revenge of the Sis. You know, so right. Palpatine getting kidnapped. Mm. I don't know if you ever saw that before yep. Revenge of the Sis. And so it's like, it well, kind of... before, no. Sorry, well, I did. And it's, for me, it's like, it kind of was weird having that experience, like, clicking. It's like, oh, yeah, I know what's going on. I know who General mm. Grievous is. So it's kind of weird, kind of like probably people like, who the heck is General Grievous? I just thought Count Dooku, but like, I know, I saw the cartoon. Right. Uh, so it's like, I saw the build up. So it mm -hmm. was kind of a really cool experience. Mm -hmm. um, and then 2008 Clone Wars happens. And it's kind of like, for lack of a better term, a reboot of the Clone Wars in mm -hmm. a lot of ways. 
Um, I think they thought they were doing like a continuation at first, but then they kind of decided, no, we're just going to reboot it. Yeah. Um, From what I heard, it, they they started off assuming that that was still canon. Um, you have, in a way, you have the Anakin's knighting. So he's already a knight by the time of the 2008 Clone Wars show. <coughs> Sorry. Um, which, I mean, that would even compress time even more, right? Because oh, clearly, uh, I mean, we don't, we aren't, really given any times in either of those shows but uh yeah it's i um, think the idea for the old stuff pre the clone wars 2008 series is mm. his knighting happens near the end so closer to revenge of the Sith. yeah and i think the idea is that the clone wars are essentially his jedi trials okay I yeah i can see that yeah substitute for his jedi trials mm-hmm. well here it's a lot earlier yeah. um in 2008 because i think the clone because the battle of jeb christophus like happens I think like a month after Attack of the Clones. Yeah, it seems. Yeah, I mean, it seems pretty close. I mean, the they they have six, seven seasons to right. to fill all this of of <laughs> stuff to fill in. I mean, that's the thing, Brotherhood, right? We're gonna see his knighting mm-hmm. that in canon. That's the the, the canon version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that there. That's one of the things that book is gonna do is help us. I mean, it's gonna help us situate this timeline. Okay. Right. Then he goes off. I mean, I, I gather Queen's Hope is starting to move in that direction a yeah. little bit too. But yeah, um, yeah. so yeah, and, it, again, raising questions of uh, in universe and out of universe timeline. That is, that's a really intriguing idea to go to follow it real time mm-hmm. um, and to look at it as a multimedia project. I kind of thought of them as as different media, but. Yeah, when you put it that way, right? it was I mean, very coordinated. Was, like yeah. I, I talked yeah. to people of, of that time who were mm-hmm. like, they were, they would say like that's probably like the most coordinated Star Wars has ever been between movies, books, and right. um, comics. More uh, or less than Shadows of the Empire. More, more, probably more. more. There are a few. Okay. There are a few hiccups. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grievous is probably the biggest one. He is nothing like his comic and book counterpart. Right. Uh, even with the cough, he's still kind of more of a mustache twirly coward. Yeah. While the Grievous in the that's not gonna see. While the Grievous in the in the in the um the the comics and books is a lot more of a violent kind of aggressor. Like he's like, no, I'm going to kill every single person. I'm yeah. I'm a real monster here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I I if we ever do another Clone Wars, I wish we could get someone who really loved that era because there's like is yeah. a bit of a and there is a good healthy debate about. The, mm-hmm. two, the two takes of the 08 series and the multimedia project you know yeah. it's it's not you know you did on the can it's more like <laughs> what takes are more interesting like do you think it's more interesting to have yeah. anakin's trials be what gets united with the clone wars mm-hmm. out of how it depicts the like the fall of the republic right. um but you know um yeah they were very coordinated era mm-hmm. at that time even more than shadows of the empire like this was yeah. almost as this was Sort of the higher public of its time. Yeah, if it started with a movie and ended with a movie, I mean that's that's the thought I had. I mean, yeah, you have. I mean, it just would have been such a fantastic thing if I had been wise to it. Yeah, I've, I mean, I kind of wish we'd do something similar. Now, I guess the closest thing we're doing is uh, the comics between was A New Hope and Empire, and now Empire. Oh, to, here's a better Jedi, example, but, although it's yeah. a very weak sauce example. It's yeah. sort of like those books that came out in between episodes eight and nine, like Resistance right. Reborn. Like, yeah. And, it, and they just had a bit yeah. more hint at what episode. So yeah. And I think, although I think to be fair, I think those mm-hmm. books also were going to tie more to Colin Trevorrow's version. Than That's the probably game, true. That's probably <laughs> why there's such a disconnect by the time nine comes. 
Because mm-hmm. um, yeah. I, you know, um, I do know one of the ships on Baku was yeah. also about from Collins episode nine. So I think in terms of okay. that coordination, that's why I kind of broke down. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, that's that was a whole other thing. You know, um, so I yeah. think that's kind of that's the closest you get. But like, imagine yeah. that was High Republic a scale, that, although yeah, they're more which... comic centric than book centric. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's why I love High, one of the reasons why I love High Republic so much is it's so interconnected. I mean, so the thing about getting back to this question of uh, 2003 versus 2008, I mean, like, like the 2003, it's so beloved, it's right. so much beloved, or whatever the word you want, you know, it's so, uh, I mean, it's imprinted in my memory. I've seen it multiple times, and um, you know, it's it's available on Disney Plus, you can go for it now, even if it's Legends, whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, Grievous, the, the image of Grievous I have of him, like, kind of the spider thing poking down. Yeah. Um, Dirge, uh, Kevin oh, yeah, Dirge, Dirge, who is now... Comics, yeah, where did where did Dirge show up? He showed up in comics now, right? Like, his, right. he was in... Afra. Um, Afra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You're, you've got your eye on canon, too. There we go. Good to know. Um, yeah, you know, Dirge, but Dirge in this, this uh, the animated show, uh, sprawl these, these innards sprawling out and being this wild story too like he's like yeah. a thousand years old and like i was tor- like i was tortured by the mandalorian right. very aggro there was a lot of aggro back in the early 2000s right. i will say it's kind of a little overly violent yeah um, i mean it seems to be i mean maybe this is this is an unfair thing but maybe this is even even more problematic i don't know it seems to be a very masculine telling i could whereas, i would agree with that you know yeah. what i mean whereas we have, I mean, the note you make, there's no Ahsoka. Can you imagine talking about the, telling the story of the Clone Wars without Ahsoka? Like, I, mean, we can't. I mean, you know, for our generation, yeah, I mean, you know, for them, it's, um, yeah, that, yeah, I will fair say, enough. But... I mean, I go back to the reboot thing of mm-hmm. the 2008 show, and I, I, I love the 2008 show. You know, I love yeah. Clone Wars, I watched that show religiously, but I do think there is something to be said about why I call it a reboot is because mm-hmm. I think in more ways, the 03 series ties a bit more with the tone of the prequels while i think the clone wars show especially kind of those early seasons in terms of how they portray the war <laughs> i think it's a little too, especially season one i think by the seventh season it's really developed its own identity sure. I, don't think, I think those early yeah. seasons though kind of had this problem mm-hmm. is it feels a little too much prequel era but with a more original trilogy tone okay like there's even a desk like you know the malevolence is kind of their death yeah, star thing yeah and I think the comics of that era mm-hmm. did a better job of kind of having a bit more of a nuanced take on the separatist mm. and the war, like mm. kind of showing there were no, there are, as, as the Revenge of the Sith said, heroes on both sides. Or I guess yeah, more, the Clone Wars, <laughs> and I'm jumping all around with our notes, I'm sorry, but the Clone well, Wars, I think the thing about the Clone Wars, it's the closest thing Star Wars has gotten mm-hmm. to a very gray war. Yes. And what I mean by a morally gray war. You know, um, you know, like if 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 Galactics, if the Empire's Rebellion is kind of our equivalent of World War Two, mm-hmm. although World War Two is also very nuanced in a lot of ways too when you study it. But you know, it, it's become a very black and white war in culture. Right. Yes. Um. But you know, if, if if Star Wars, you know that that war is very black and white. You know, the First Order versus Resistance, black and white. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clone Wars, it's not black and white. It is. It is. Yeah, and I think the early Clone Wars, tried mm-hmm. in 2008 series, I think it tried to make it a little too black and white, with showing the the Republic, the good yeah. guys, and 
you know, oh, it's the separatist. It's Count Dooku with his malevolent plan. Or, the the, the twirling mustache thing, evil right? Evil General Grievous. What kind <laughs> of evil diabolical plots is he yeah. up to? Yeah. Um, while, like, um, in the comic version of the Battle Camino, it's mm-hmm. a Mon Cala commander, and he's kind of got this kind of, you know, he's he's not an evil general. He's just a general doing his job because he thinks the Republic is right. bad, and he's trying to get his side to win. Um, he has a job to do. Try not to upset him. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. it's cool to have a Mon Cala commander, too, attacking Camino. Um, yeah, which is a weird, of, right? yeah. yeah. I've actually there are a lot of those comics, um, mm-hmm. you know, got somewhat adapted into um, Clone Wars, like there's the Battle of Camino, right. uh, uh, Attack on the Coruscant. Um, but um, that's something that I did like is kind of, I think it kind of showed, like, even though, yeah, Duke was manipulating people, I think mm-hmm. it did a good job of showing, yeah, the Separatists do have legit grievances. Like, they're, they are rebelling because they think, oh, here's someone who's going to, you know, their public is corrupt and they right. happen to be correct. Um, so, like, here's, here's finally something, the Outer Rim is finally going to um, mm-hmm. rise up and finally sure. stop the core. Um, yeah. I mean, so this gets to the question of the importance of the war and its effect, you know? I mean, yeah. we know that, of course, it is Palpatine's plan to you know, consolidate all power in his own person be, to become the Senate, become yeah. the empire. And right. um, ultimately, you know, that's, that's the purpose and uh, leading the Jedi into the dark side of being generals in a war, even though they're supposed to be keepers of the peace and giving him the right place at the right time so that they can now be executed. And, uh, and, and with thunderous applause, they were executed as traitors to democracy and to good order and uh, that, of course, is is Darth Sidious' plan. But like you mentioned, the the uh, on the flip side of the same kind of thing. I mean, what it, if there is the real world parallel that George Lucas had at hand? Uh, you know, it is the war in Iraq, the invasion of Afghanistan. It is even the the quagmires in Rwanda and and Burundi, right? Where we send troops in, and this is part of our hesitancy in going into Ukraine, which I think is getting more uh, weaker by the moment. But, you know, we send troops in, we risk their <laughs> lives. Uh, you know, what are all the interests and reasons for that? Yes, there are good uh, peacemaking interests, but there's also corporate interests. There's lots of, I mean, with, with Iraq and Afghanistan, lots of oil interests. Mm. The same way you have the Republic wanting to still have control over planets and i mean i think of very early the 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 arc with the lerman uh fin- ends with star destroyers they're called star destroyers i mean they're also called jedi cruisers fine star destroyers zooming in coming up over the planet this this little uh commune trying to stay out of things knowing okay here is some greater power coming to uh take control of our planet for its resources primarily and uh, you know, there there is a very strong resonance here. I mean, this is the way. So the way I think about part of what's going on with High Republic is, I mean, the Nihil represent very similar to the Separatists. They represent both a cruel, ruthless, dictatorial regime, but at the same time, they're incredibly. They could be incredibly libertarian in their organization, right? There's even at the beginning, at least, question about, you know, is, is Markian in charge? Are the Tempest Runners in charge? Can the Tempest Runners send off their storms and clouds to do whatever they want? 
there's a way of you know when they actually uh, do a raid, uh, all the resources are shared, uh, all the spoils are shared, and whatnot. So, not saying that's a good thing, but to say one of their biggest uh, rallying cries is, uh, we, you know, Kaylina, so we are all the Republic. Well, I'm not buying it. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not the Republic. Get your grubby hands off of my my treasure, my my independence, and my liberty. And that is very morally complicated and gray in itself, right? Independence and liberty, you know, speaking across the border, you know, sounds very wonderful. And in some ways, it's very necessary and important. At the well, same remember time. what the con- what the separatists are called. They're officially titled the yeah. Confederacy of Independent Systems. Yes, which that's also got to be very clearly resonant with, you know, in, in the American audience, right? Anything called anything a confederacy. <laughs> you know, you're you're kind of being being a little more more black and white there. I mean, one of the things to say about the the 2008 show, I mean, I don't know how much you subscribe to this theory, but uh, with the whole scroll at the beginning and uh, and whatnot, it being kind of republic propaganda, uh, it's not it's not a very a, a perfectly reliable narrator in some things. In terms of maybe maybe this is what you're getting at in terms of the first bit of it showing the actual war and conflict and how heroic the Republic is as if it's saying how heroic either the empire is or how heroic the rebellion is um, further on. It gets more complicated. There's also the part where I like how, that idea, yeah. but I, it just, it breaks down when it starts showing city is talking about order 66 and sure. the final season. So it's like, that kind of breaks down for me. And like, uh, well, that's the point is, my point is that it intentionally breaks itself down. As, as the war gets more and more, uh, more and more a moral quagmire to the point where Padme, at the very end of it, says to Anakin, has the crosses this Rubicon and says, uh, "Are we fighting on the wrong side? Not fighting, not that she she should be fighting for the separatists, but in actually upholding the the war and continuing it." Um, she has the sense that it it's going where it's going. She has. To use this word, she has a prophetic sense of right. what is about to take place. I mean, you know, I, you know, I, you know, I, I think it's very much a, you know, minus some of the, my own kind of problems with the, uh, you know, <laughs> machismoism of George and Grievous. Um, yeah. You know, like, but regardless, I do think there is a, you know, if you like the more stylized 2008 show <laughs> that gets more morally questionable as not, not in, a, in a good way, obviously by the end or. Do you mm-hmm. kind of like more having that feel that matches? Like, I do think the comics of 03 and 05 do kind of totally mesh better mm-hmm. with the with the prequel era yeah. in a whole. Like, I, I kind of can watch that, kind of view that, and kind of it leads a bit more naturally into Revenge of the Sith, minus right. Grievous. So this again. is the like Star Wars Republic, or is this? Um... Yeah, Star Wars Republic, the Dark Horse comics by yeah. um 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 Ash. Uh, I like the one that led into, say, Dark Times and Empire. Yeah, you yeah, know, that yeah. Quinlan Voss and yeah. That, yeah, he had an old arc. Yeah, I, I have um, a few copies of those. I need to read more of them. But yeah, you anyway, should. If, I wonder which ones you have because they're really, really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got the Bell Camino one. That's a really good one. Yeah, yeah, I think I have that they, one. Yeah. They introduced the Arc Troopers. Mm-hmm. Um, good stuff. Um, yeah. You know, um, and I don't think either one, I think I'm glad we have both. So, yeah. you know, I know people prefer one one over the other, and that's mm-hmm. perfectly valid. Um, and obviously, you know, Clone Wars had its own arc with Ahsoka, 
as I like to, as I like to jokingly call Ahsoka the greatest retcon of all time. <laughs> Interesting. Um, okay, what do you mean by that? I mean, you watch Revenge of the Sith mm-hmm. in two thousand five, was it? Right. Okay. Yeah. And I don't think George Lucas ever thought Anakin had a Padawan. Um, there was no plan right. for Ahsoka. I think right. I think Ahsoka was the Filoni pitch. Um, he didn't, yeah, I, I heard that it was a, a Lucas thing. I mean, I mean, it might be the Lucas thing, but I don't think Lucas had that in mind when he was making Revenge of the Sith. Right, fair It's enough. sort of the, you know, Vader yeah. and Anakin were two different people when he was making Attack of the Clones. I mean, or maybe to say Anakin has a Padawan, uh, let's, and maybe it was Filoni's idea, like, yeah, let's make her a teenage girl. <laughs> you know? Sure. Um, but, you know. Stroke of genius, right? But, yeah, <laughs> but, you know, back in, you know, but that's still a retcon. That count counts as a retcon. Sure, I see what you mean there. Um, right? So, yeah, so yeah. I just like to joke with people who, like, yeah. like they love Ahsoka but hate any retcon of any yeah. kind, it's like Ahsoka is the greatest retcon of all time. Right. Um, yes, it's yeah, it's a loving there. joke, you yeah. know. It's kind of like you know, yeah. <laughs> like hey, that retcon worked out for you, people. So it <laughs> it, it, it technically yeah. a retcon in all in all sense. I mean, you could say it, like Padme, te- like we were talking about uh, two weeks ago. You know, Padme dying and Luke and and Luke and Leia having no memory of her. Yeah, that's yeah. a bit of a retcon. Oh yeah, that's definitely um, a retcon. It's a beautifully tragic moment that mm. really that Anakin still uh, is still fighting, grappling with. Um, even in in a recent comic, there's still uh, that comes up, and Greg Pak's Darth Vader comic that comes up. Yeah. Um, so I mean, my joke know. is just kind of like, don't yeah. get so bent out of shape by retcons yes, all the time. Absolutely. You can right. still criticize some, and I do think some don't always land, but I do think mm-hmm. you know, hey. It, Sometimes retcons can work out, or yeah. you know, sometimes you know what you just gotta accept them and like them. Uh, they can that, be nice. that's they can the whole be... thing. I mean, the you know, f- three four months ago when we were starting this podcast, talking about the disciplines of continuity, mm-hmm. that it it bend but don't break. But even if it breaks, then maybe okay, let's kind of rebuild something. Lucas you know, was okay with bending. I <laughs> can say that. Lucas and was even okay break... with with, okay. with snapping sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, that's the funny thing is we're invested in. In this continuity, uh, you know, the there there is again a discipline of continuity. Maybe discipline's the wrong word. Maybe it's a harmony of continuity or something. I think harmony is a nicer word. Yeah, it is a nicer word. Uh, with screen canon, I mean, we talk about why Maul isn't going to show up in the Kenobi show mm-hmm. because he's being dealt with in Clone Wars and Rebels. Um, you know, and everything about Ahsoka, you know, coming to in live action. There's going to be, you know, having repercussions from her appearances in, in the animated show. Uh, I mean, one last point I want to make about the relationship between 2003 and 2008. At the very end, I think they fit really nicely because uh, 2008. Here's the thing: is the 2008 show is a Sokus show, right? And I agree. We get, you know, we get or it becomes from, a Sokus show. It becomes I'll a Sokus show. Um, again, I wonder if Fully Lucas had. Uh, a thought, at least the possibility of going in that direction. Uh, at the very end, we get all of everything she's built towards. I mean, wrapping up, but then falling, crashing, literally crashing into a planet. But um, you know, with with Maul, with with Rex, with uh, Bo-Katan, um, you know. But yeah. then you know, like that's the thing. They have them running, Anakin and Obi Wan running off to save the Chancellor. Q the 2003 series, you know, so right. I mean, you yeah. know, it, it, it's interesting. I 
it's maybe not at the beginning. I could say because I feel like they that even the original movie heavily promoted. Here's Anakin, you know, oh, we yes. want we get to see their adventures, and oh, you're the new character, Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. I think it became more Ahsoka show as time moved on because I don't. I feel like that Clone Wars. I don't want to get too much into the series, even though okay, we're talking about the event. I feel yeah. like the Clone Wars as a show was one of those shows that like didn't have necessarily a plan outside of get to revenge of the Sith eventually, but kind right. of like it evolved, it changed, mm-hmm. sort of like you know, kind of it, you know, I you know, they they I don't think they went in going we're going to resurrect Darth Maul. I mean, that's why they yeah. did Savage Press. Um, true. They thought it was going to be our Darth Maul, and then they changed their minds. Is that true? I mean, I, I wonder because the way it's written. I've uh, always heard the story yeah. was yeah. Um, Lucas wanted to bring back Maul. They tried with Savage. Filoni okay. was like, maybe let's not do that. And then eventually George was like, no, let's, like, all right, this guy's not working. We're going to bring back Maul. So they probably changed something. And then season four, they brought in Maul. Because, um, I mean, my sense of watching it now and knowing what happens, of course, and that's that's hindsight being 2020. Oh, yeah. My sense of it is uh, everything with, with Savage is intended to lead to Maul. Uh, uh, that you know, there's a very it, it's really well written and organic in that continuity. So I mean, imagine I mean, it might be one of those things where it's like it was one of those decisions they made. Yeah. Uh, once, uh, uh, once, um, which, or maybe like know, a happy accident or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, but uh, yeah. Um, that's really my one thing. But um, you know, back to the back to the war itself. Um, yes. I think one of the kind of the geniuses thing about the war was like. And this is something I kind of criticize Revenge of the Sith for not showing us enough of was right. I think the idea is by the time you get to Revenge of the Sith, the Republic's the Empire. It's yes. the Empire already. It's already occupying the planets it needs to occupy because Sidious mm-hmm. had all his uh, probably the planets that would fight him the most crushed right. or split and crushed. Mm-hmm. So he did the heavy fighting already. But the loyalist planets are probably so tired of the war. It's like, you know what, sure. forget it. We'll, we'll give you the power. We just mm-hmm. want our rest. So it's like all all the pieces are in place for Empire, mm-hmm. but the Empire, not the movie Empire. And so, really, yeah. Palpatine, all Palpatine needs to do is just declare himself the Emperor, get Anakin on side, <laughs> and then bada boom. And yeah. that's actually something both I like about the comics and the 2008 show mm-hmm. is I think it really kind of continues to kind of help cement why Anakin fell because yes. I think the movie makes his fall a little too quick. It's a little too let snap a light on, turn mm-hmm. on the light switch or off the light switch, mm-hmm. darkness. And then yeah. while the show kind of shows right. more of the slow build of like, well, Anakin's not just, oh, I'm scared for my wife. I'm going to betray everything I know and, right. you know, kill everyone. Can't kill the younglings. Um, I'm going to, you know, he shows the war, sort of the, mm-hmm. the trials of the war, kind of, wow, the Republic really is in tatters. It needs some strong leadership. Right. And obviously Palpatine just giving Anakin more and more reason to stress the Jedi, to stress people around him, mm-hmm. have the more authoritarian mindset and just kind of prepare him for what's to come. I mean, even that uh, conversation with Tarkin and Anakin mm-hmm. um, in the Citadel arc, I believe it's the Citadel arc, right? Mm-hmm. Where Anakin comes out again with what he, maybe more, he's more committed to what he told Padme. Uh, you know, we need strong leadership. We need, mm-hmm. uh, people can't just do what they want. They have to be told what to do. um you know he full-on goes for and says you know we're gonna i'm gonna make you do what you want or else i'm gonna bring the order of the empire and that fusion of order as security order as peace bring peace Um, you know justice to my new empire (laughs) but that i mean that gets built up in this show um again you don't want to talk about 
the war in Iraq and peace being order and uh, taking care of threats if you're not uh, with in me, the Middle East. You know, you're my enemy. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, you know that that again. The, those events close at hand in George Lucas's mind. Um, yeah, I'm just going for it with the politics here, yeah, <laughs> the real world right. politics. Another speaking of real world politics, right? Is well, not real world politics, but kind of the political nitty gritty. One of the things I get, I don't know if the Clone Wars show actually shows it so much, but what we do know is, I mean, a few things. What on earth are the Trade Federation doing having an actual seat in the Senate? That's ridiculous. Citizen <laughs> but... United over there got really interesting. <laughs> um, actually, that's something interesting about yeah. the, the again the O three versus O eight. I, I know I keep making those comparisons. I just yeah. think it's interesting. Yeah. In in the O three to O five comics, mm -hmm. they portray it. And I'm not even sure if the movies are wanting to do this as well or they change mm -hmm. their minds, are uh, as the corporations seceded with the Republic and joined the separatists. Like yeah. the separatist is just a a libertarian's paradise of mega corporations. <laughs> right. Uh, Which isn't as morally gray as what we see again in the clone in the 2008 series, especially someone like Mina Bonteri, who yeah. clearly, you know, heroes on both sides. Yes. That's the name of the episode, right? right. Um, Here's both sides clearly, and then of course Lux joining the rebellion later in life, joining in with uh, Sagar Era's partisans. Um, again, another morally gray group of yeah. people. Another thing to note is again the the show doesn't the series doesn't go into this because I think it would kind of bore the kids watching. But there is a series of bills and series of acts of the mm -hmm. Senate, uh, well, constitutional amendments that Anakin refers to or the Obi Wan refers to. Another set of emergency powers that get entrenched as permanent powers, statutory powers of the Chancellor. Uh, you know, at the, you know, Chancellor Valorum, he's he's a weakling. He he's just a functionary, really. He's just right. a president of the Senate to get like the like um, a referee to yeah. to move the bit debate going. Uh, Palpatine, he becomes the Senate. He. Not as only is he like a president and mm -hmm. chief executive with uh, a Congress to oppose him or, or to keep him in check. Right. No, I mean, it's weird. It, it's like, I mean, he has the, the, uh, the lines of legislative and executive authority in his hands by the end of the Clone War. So the, yeah, I mean the, the whole point about declaring himself emperor, that's, that's just a little stroke of the pen. Right. Right. Um, in, in the novelization, the revenge mm -hmm. of the Sith. Yeah. Uh, which is a great novelization. Yeah, you, you should read it. I really think it it, it gets that yeah. stuff even delves deeper. Even goes it, into it what Dooku. Yeah. Even goes into what Dooku thinks is going on, which I love. Yeah. That's a great moment. Yeah. Um, but in in the novelization, one of the reasons why the Jedi don't suspect Palpatine is the Sith Lord and think it's one of his advisors mm -hmm. because, as far as they're concerned, Palpatine already rules the galaxy. He's already dictator, pretty much. So it's like, right. why does he need to become the Sith Lord? He's, why is he a Sith Lord? He got everything he wanted. No, mm -hmm. Lord, so it's kind of interesting Palpatine tricked the Jedi so yeah. much. And by the way, I also just love um I don't want to you know keep going too much. It's like I love Dooku's kind of thought process, what he thinks is gonna happen, where he kind of thinks that it's gonna be him, Anakin, and Sidious together ruling <laughs> like a super humocentric empire. Right. Um and it's like I I love how Dooku thinks I'm actually important when I'm not. <laughs> I mean that moment in Revenge of the Sith where I mean this is uh sure I'm blanking on the actor's name. Christopher wow. Lee. Yeah, Christopher Lee, when when uh Papa Dean says to Anakin kill him, that look in his eyes, right? 
uh, Matthew Stover definitely does a great job of fleshing that and pointing to that. Mm-hmm. I didn't fully notice that. I mean, that's also partly what James with James Lucino uh, pre uh, previewing that and helping us think in those terms in terms of the, the master and apprentice. All right. Fair enough. Uh, one last thing to note then is, um, you know, one thing you mentioned is in terms of him already being the emperor uh, and the loyalist planets. I mean, that's another thing that's coming up in high Republic, even, even, you know, 200 two centuries earlier, there is a very strong sense of core, the core planets. Yeah. They're very wealthy. They're very well built up. That's they're just Star very Wars. used to protecting their own interests mm-hmm. uh, at the expense of the periphery. Lena. So has a much more positive spin on it. You're all the Republic. Uh, you know, we're going to actually send the Jedi out. We're going to send, the Republic Defense Coalition out to actually uh, address mm-hmm. issues and concerns and threats, mm-hmm. but there's still big business. There's still high finance. I uh, mean, you know, you know, in some of those, some of the some stories, the the outer rim, whenever they see the Republic come in, they it's not the it's the core just colonizing the outer rim. It's like well, you're colonizers. The word right? You're, it's colonial you're imp- and you're imperialist already. You know, and I talk about you know the British Empire. Again, you know, they had some modicum of parliamentary democracy, but uh, again, ask any indigenous person what they think. Anyone who's uh, not white, th- yeah, there any any you know anyone from you know sub-Saharan Africa or, or you know, India, um, you know that they, they were there to consolidate their forces back in London or their their economic power back in London, and so uh, you know when when Darth Maul says. The Republic has already fallen. The Jedi have already fallen. Yes, he means the Clone Wars. But, you know, again, I think this is part of the story that the Luminous authors are telling is um, these economic interests that were so entrenched. And it's a cultural thing. And it was already a human-centric thing, even if they that would be considered untasteful to explicitly name. There were still mostly humans in charge uh, I got a wonderful comment from William <laughs> Garrow here. Loving the politics of Star Wars. Yeah, I, I love it too. Yeah. And uh, the prequels, the High Republic, and the Clone Wars all really went for it in, in a wonderful way. So I mean, you know, the Separatists, that was the reason why, you know, one more point, the Sep- Dooku yeah. and Sidious in particular wanted the Separatist leaders to be all aliens. You know, their their mains are, mm-hmm. you know, Munalists and yeah. Nemoidians and Geonosians, like a that is like kind of he kind of just <laughs> sowed the seeds of the humocentrism. So when the yeah. empire comes into the outer rim, it's like, oh, we're, we're taming the savage aliens. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, one thing to note, lastly, you know, there are very few human Nile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're all whatever uh, marking species, I forget. There, there is a name for them, um, Twi'leks, all others. So, uh, you know, there is something to that, right? That divide has always kind of been yeah. there in Star Wars. Yeah, so... All right. So, uh, Joel, any last thoughts on the Clone Wars, the event, its uh, significance? It's probably one of the richest things Star Wars has probably ever done, one of the richest mm-hmm. events, be it the 08 series, the 03 yep. to 05 comics, mm-hmm. and books, and just we're still getting books. I hope we get games again. I, I love yep. Clone Wars games. I mean, I get a good Clone Wars game forever. Caleb um, mm-hmm. Camp RTS campaign. Clone Wars, um, yeah. but you know, um, it, it's one of those. And it's, it, it all goes back to seventy-seven. Luke said, "You fought in the Clone Wars, like one line, 
and it spurled the most probably most profitable and richest lore thing ever. And I I'm so happy about it. I just want to say we're we're still yeah like you said we're still getting stories, but it's very beginning. We're getting started. I mean, you can see the Bad Batch. You know, we joke jokingly say it's Clone Wars season eight. Uh, we're getting stories of it past its end. These are still clones. What are they doing? You know, they they exist. Uh, you know, they came into existence because of uh, because of this war, as Rex talks about the complexities of it. Um, you know, but yeah, the uh, you know they're still you know, moving, carrying around the galaxy. The connection between the Clone Wars and the Rebellion. Uh, is you know what I think partly what we're going to see here. Uh, one last comment from from William again. You know expansion, the Skywalker saga with Gomer. Sure, I gather what you mean is a Blu-ray set or a 4K Blu-ray set, um, or also to say you know the Clone Wars show, it, it's up there with the films and its importance. And oh yeah, I mean I'm its sure impact. Definitely so that. yeah, so that's really wonderful. I mean that's what made Dave Filoni. <laughs> I mean the the Sorry, the one we trust. So. Yeah. All right. I think that is about to wrap it up. Joel, if you have any closing thoughts. Uh, nope. That's that's all the closing thoughts I had. Just uh, closing plugs, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at GID2021. At GID2021. Or, of course, follow us at IonCanonPod. Mm-hmm. IonCanonPod. You see the trailer around there. I. I. Um, also, you know, but, yeah, also. <laughs> Matthew, where can they can follow you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. You can say they're at, at NUG four eighty five. Yeah, and lots of lots of soccer, lots of Star Trek, lots of Marvel going on there. But you know, some Star Wars in there too. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at MNEUG eleven thirty eight. Again, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Ion Ken Pod. Uh, Instagram, you also see a bit of a tractor beam mentioned in there. Um, yeah, and uh, also to say if you like. Or heard what you have like what you heard have some thoughts put them in the comments below the comments are always going to be there uh share comment on twitter on instagram wherever you get your and you know wherever you see this wherever you encounter us engage with us we will engage with you back positively yes, kindly nicely um <laughs> give this video a like and a share if you if you will and, and subscribe. Subscribe, to the, subscribe to the channel uh also check out you know at culture slate um culturelate.com we got a bunch of stuff going on there um and also again the spotify feed uh also looking to build that up so look at look at us uh, sorry look out for us there <laughs> they're on spotify again uh tractor beam as well as any audio versions of this podcast all right joel well, how, how are we looking how are we feeling <laughs> really good look below this thing and go home all right